seated this morning. I want to jump right into what the Lord has laid on my heart. I will tell you, um, I'm usually pretty rehearsed. I spend a lot of hours every week uh, in my sermon. And uh, today I don't have a lot of hours. I just got a few hours with Jesus. Amen. I want to talk about what I have been through this last week. I just wanted to address this head on. I've seen so many posts on Facebook. Some have been great. Some have been terrible. Terrible. If I wanted to get on there and post uh, when I heard of the news, it would have been absolutely terrible. Um, I want to talk about five things that I cannot get off my mind about what just happened in our community. The first thing is this. Kenzie, you probably have to just stay there the whole time. All right? Do you need a stool? Yeah. Somebody get Kenzie a stool because she's going to be there the whole time. Hallelujah. My response is the first thing that I want to address. And I want to confess it before all of you and I want to confess it before God. Because some of you may not look at me the same after I say what I'm about to say. But I just want to be honest. I want to be raw with you. Can I do that? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Let's go Old Testament. Whatever somebody does to you, do it back to them right now. Don't wait. Don't wait on some justice system or some court system to drag something out for years. Do it now. Is there a thing called an electric chair? Put him in it. That was my thoughts. I told you some of you may not look at me the same, but I'm human just like everybody else. I have a son. I can only imagine. I don't get it. I don't understand. But I have to step out of who I am, my flesh. And I have to allow God to begin to speak. I got to allow God to begin to talk to me about this whole situation. I had to come to the realization this week of who was behind all of this. The evil that is in this world. The world that we live in. Are y'all with me today? Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 12 says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Some people which is normal. We look at an individual and we blame that individual. But I'm telling you in the spiritual realm. Can I just get spiritual with you just for a moment? In the spiritual realm, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You understand what the preacher is saying today? The enemy is doing whatever he can to disrupt God's plan. Not only for this community, but for this whole world. Look at your neighbor right now. Just look, you don't have to say nothing. Just look at your neighbor. Now look at your other neighbor. Now just kind of look around. We are the change 
We are. We are. Jamie can't change a situation by retaliating. I can't change a situation by showing my raw feelings to everyone because my raw feelings don't help. But we are the change agents. Why? Because we have the change agent. His name is Jesus. It's what we just spoke about. It's what we just sang about. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the change. I was on the phone with one of the Red Cross volunteers and that's one of the things that that lady told me. She said, you know what? Jesus is the change. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I said, oh God, forgive me. Because I think my actions can change something. Our actions can actually make a situation worse if we don't watch it. Are y'all with me today? Which leads me to the second thing that I had to think about this week. And it's this. My perspective is wrong. The perspective that we have on things. Let's just say it like this. Our perspective is wrong in situations like this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says this. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I'm going to relieve Kenzie. I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to let you go. Is that cool? Lord, I just ask you today that you'll just touch this sermon, this thing that you've laid on my heart. God, bless us. Show us, God, something through your word today. God, as we're in a series, we're starting it brand new today. One month to live. God, let us, let us realize that we need to number our days for we do not know when our day is finished. Anoint me as... I teach your word. This is not me this morning. This is you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's read through that one more time. I'm sorry for crying up here, but that's just who I is. Amen. That's proper English right there. For our light affliction, listen to this. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Why do you think that it's but for a moment? Because life is like a vapor. It is here one moment and then it is gone the next moment. Is everybody in this room listening to what the preacher is saying? But listen to what it says. Our light affliction is working for us. The things that happen in this earth is working for us. It's not working against us. Even when it feels like it's working against us, it is working for us. Why? Because God is in control. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Did you hear that? A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen. You know what my issue was? I was looking at the things that are seen. I had my eyes in the moment, I had my eyes put on the things that were happening around me in that immediate moment. But listen to what the Word of God goes on to say. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Listen to this. For the things which are seen are temporary. 
What we're going through today is temporary. The feelings that we have today are temporary. The hurt and the pain that this family is experiencing, I know it's tough, but it is temporary. Listen to what it goes on to say. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The things that are not seen are eternal. Look at how this situation has impacted our community. Look at how it's brought people together. Look at the prayer vigils that's happening all over our county. There's multiple prayer vigils tonight. There was some last night. There's going to be some tomorrow night. Look at what the community is doing. They are coming together. There is a greater picture than the one that you snapped. That's just a snapshot. You've got to look at the whole thing of what God is trying to do in and through us. We don't understand half the time. Most of the times in situations like this, we ask one question, and what do you think the question is? Why? Why? And I wish I could get up here and tell you three steps of why. But I just know this, my God, the one whom I serve, knows all things. I thought about that, that, this this week. Who knows what little Joe had went through previously in his life? Who knows? Who knows what has been happening in this little boy's life? Who knows? Only God. Only God knows. But here's what I do know. Little Joe's with Jesus. That's what I know. There's, there's not a shadow of a doubt in my life to know that He is with Jesus. He no longer has autism. He no longer is suffering as a little boy. He is now in the arms of a good, good Father. Little Joe now understands what a good Father looks like. A Father who loves Him. A Father who literally laid down His life for Him. Yes. But here's the thing, we don't have God's perspective. We have a temporal view. Well, it's over for little Joe. His life on this earth is done. You're exactly right. His life on this earth is done, which was nothing but a vapor. It was only five years in. But I'm telling you, he gets to spend an eternity with a God who loves him. Amen? Honestly believe... That as we suffer, as this family goes through this grieving process, as this community has all of these feelings and all of these things that are coming against us, I honestly believe that these types of things hurt, hurt the heart of God. But we have to understand that this is only temporal. We have to look at the eternal. And some say, but it's not fair. Which brings me to my third point. Life isn't fair. We live in an unfair world. Of course it's not fair. Of course this should never have happened. Of course who in their right mind would have been able to do something like this. I was reminded this week of John chapter 10 verse 10. But the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. Most people will stop on that verse, but it goes on to say, But I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. That's Jesus. 
The enemy can try to take a life away, but God has eternal life. <laughs> Guys, we were born in a place where no one's innocent. You say, well, this little boy was innocent. This situation is just an innocent situation. Now, I'm not saying this boy was sinning or anything like that, but the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. David said in Psalm 51 that he was born into sin. We are born into a sinful world. It's not fair. It's just not fair. This world is not innocent. Nothing about it is innocent. It all started back in the garden when Adam and Eve fell and sin came into this world. That is literally when violence and hurt and tragedy begin to take over. And from that moment, we are having to experience the feelings and the things that we've had to go through as a community this week. Come on, preacher. How does God allow the innocent to be harmed by the guilty? That's a great question, isn't it? Go to John chapter 16, verse 33. Are y'all with me today? John chapter 16, verse 33. We're get into some really good stuff. In the world, you will have tribulation. In the world, things are going to happen. Tragedy will strike. But Jesus went on to say this, But be of good cheer. Why? Because this is only temporal. What you're going through is only temporal. What this community is going through is only temporal. Why? Because I have overcome the world. We celebrated that last weekend. Jesus Christ is victorious. And because of His victory, we can stand victorious today, even in the midst of life's tragedy. But where's the hope? That's the question. Where's the hope? Where does our hope come from? Not from this world. There's nothing in this world that can bring this family hope. Only Jesus can bring this family hope. Only Jesus can restore a community that's going through a tragedy like this. That's why I'm declaring to every Christian in this room... Tell people about Jesus. People are open. People are vulnerable right now. People are searching for answers. There's only one answer that I can give them. Jesus. That's all I can say. The name that every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow to. That is our hope. His name is Jesus. Here's the thing. We can shout, we can say amen, we can run around the church, we can hoop and holler. But if Jesus is the answer, we have to turn to Jesus for the answers. And I'm going to tell you something. When I began to have the thoughts and the feelings that I had, I didn't want to turn to Jesus. Because I knew what Jesus would say. You posted about it. I knew what Jesus would say. Matthew chapter 5. Go there with me today. Matthew chapter 5 verses 44 and 45. And listen to this. It says, but I say to you, who, who is I? In Matthew 5. Jesus. This is Jesus speaking, okay? 
Most of your Bibles, this is in red. If you never knew why, they put that in red in your Bible. It's because that means Jesus is speaking. Okay? <laughs> so just listen to what Jesus is teaching His people. But I say to you, love your enemies. How? He said, I want you to love your enemies. He said, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. It goes on to say this, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, is there anybody else in this room that struggles with that scripture from time to time? Anybody? Thank you for being honest. Since I was honest, maybe we'll get all be honest. Because there's times where I don't want to love my enemies. I don't want to bless those people who are cursing me. I don't want to do good to those people who are hating on me or doing bad things to me. And I sure don't want to pray for those who use me. I'll pray for you, alright? God, I pray condemnation on them in the name of Jesus. I, I pray, God, that the toughest... You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, we, we will jump over in that prayer, but that's not the prayer that God wants us to pray. So here's why. Jesus Christ was not selective when He went to the cross. Let that sink in just for a moment. Jesus was not selective, and I thank God that He was not selective. I thank God that he didn't look down and say, whoa, that boy is bad. I don't want anything to do with him because I don't know if he'll make it. I don't know if he's good enough for me. Listen to why Jesus is saying this right here. I want you to love people. I want you to bless them. I want you to do good. I want you to pray. Verse 45 says this, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. The attribute of a son or a daughter of the Most High King, His name is Jesus, are people who will love their enemies, bless those who curse them, do good to those who hate them, and pray for those who spitefully use them. We don't want to hear that. That's really what, not what I want to hear today, preacher. Please. But that's the truth. That is the Word of God. That's what God is saying to the church today. Listen, here's why. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. Why do good things happen or bad things happen to good people? Right here. Because it's just how it is. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. But we have hope. And our hope is wrapped up in one name. And that name is? Jesus. That name is Jesus. For He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Sometimes we don't understand why it's raining in our life. Why, God, is it raining in our community? Have we done something bad? Have we done something wrong? No, that's just how it is. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. 
Boy, it's quiet in here today. Hallelujah. So the question is, how can I love, bless, do good, pray, and forgive in a situation like this? How can I do that? Here's what you have to understand. Justice and forgiveness are two separate things. According to the Scripture, the government has every right. According to Scripture, not just laws of our land, the government has every right to punish someone for their acts. And I'm not the preacher that's up here saying, you know what, you don't need to go through the consequences of your sin. You don't need to go through the consequences. You know, just because you've been forgiven, I mean, God has forgiven this person. So if God forgives this person, they don't need to go through all of the other stuff. Justice and forgiveness are two separate things. Just because you forgive someone of something doesn't mean that they do not have to pay the consequences of their actions. Now that's probably some preaching that you're like, well, okay. But it's the truth. Which leads me to the fourth thing that's been on my mind this whole week. And it ties into the series because originally I wasn't going to do anything on the series today. But this is really fitting because life on this earth is short. We don't know when our last day will be. Are y'all with me? I mean, I don't know if little Joe got up that morning and said, Hey, you know what? Today's my last day. I promise you, he did not. It wasn't on his mind. I was speaking to someone a while ago about an uncle that had passed away. Maybe a bull had attacked him or something. Nobody knows when their last day is. Life on this earth is short. So we have to make it count. We have the opportunity today to make it count. Why? Because life goes by quick. Listen, I'm going to get my age out so y'all don't make fun, right? I'm only 37, and I did say only 37. You understand? I'm only 37, but in my mind, I'm still 16. Do you understand what I mean? Jimmy's the same way. He's 93, but in his mind, he's still 16. He's still 16. I don't care. I'm just kidding. 92, buddy. I'm sorry. You got to think of life like that because we never know when we're going to take our last breath. Five years old. Five. Never thought today was going to be my last day. We don't know how long we have to live. But we do know the impact that we can make if we'll surrender our life over to Jesus Christ. Guys, I want you to listen to me. A five-year-old just lost his life. I think if I have a statement that I'm going to make in this sermon, this is probably going to be the most powerful statement that I make. Age does not determine how much time you have left on this earth. Your age does not determine. Well, I'm only 37 years old. I mean, come on. I, surely I'll live to be 80, right? Wrong. I don't know that. I may live to be 120. I may live to be 38. I have no idea. You can't just count the days. You've got to make the days count. 
So today we have to come to realization that we have an opportunity to make the days count from this moment forward. We have to live like we're dying. Come on, I could break into a country song right now. <laughs> right? I could break, I'm going to go skydiving, right? Rocky Mountain climbing. I'm a terrible singer. I am a terrible singer. Always confessing I'm a great singer, but that is a lie from the enemy in the name of Jesus. But here's the truth. Somebody said, Amen. Yeah. Like, Quit doing that, preacher. Love you. But here's the truth. If tragedy can come upon a five-year-old boy that was as innocent as anyone in this whole earth, it shows me that none of us are exempt from things happening. James chapter 4 verse 14 says this. For what is your life? This is the B part of that verse. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What is your life? You want to talk about one month to live? What is your life? It's gone. Have you ever seen a vapor? You got a humidifier or something in your house and the, the humidity kind of comes up and it just fades out? That's your life. That's your life at a 90-year-old man like Jimmy. That's your life. Amen? That's your life. It don't matter if you're 90 or if you're 5. That is your life. Here one minute and gone the next. The last thing that I thought about this week was this, and this was a tough one. I wanted to save this one for last because I didn't know if I'd lose it or if it'd just kind of go like it is right now. How could you hurt your own son? Ask God that question. And I, I, don't, I don't want you to think that I'm basing the answer to what I feel like God, not feel, I know God spoke to me, that this is not a direct correlation with this incident that just happened in our community. But I ask God, how could you hurt your own son? I, I just don't, I don't get it. How could you hurt your own son? Because I have, a, I have one son. I have a daughter that's 18. I have a daughter that's 15. And then I have one son that is 19 months old. One son. I couldn't imagine. That son was a, is a blessing, not was. I mean, sometimes I say was. <laughs> but that son is a blessing to me. See, some of you don't know our story. Most of you probably don't know the depth of our story. But my wife could not have kids. Medically. By multiple doctors. Her body wasn't even producing eggs. If that's what women do. I think. I'm not sure. I have no idea. Just forget that I said that. Okay, I don't know if that's true or not. But my, my, my wife's body was not even producing the things that it needed to produce to get pregnant and hadn't produced those things in 13 years. But somehow my wife got pregnant. God gave me my son. The one He promised to us years ago. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. I ask God this question, how could someone hurt their own son? And I really, I really felt like I was asking that question out of anger 
And God directly just spoke to my spirit and said, Ask me how I could hurt my own son. And I began to break down because God allowed the men of this world to kill His Son so that you and I could get through situations like this. Just like this. I heard a story, and this is my closing. I heard a story of a drawbridge keeper in uh, Western Europe in the late 1800s. And this drawbridge keeper brought his son to work with him that day. And he and his son were sitting there. And they were laughing and just having a good time. And he heard a train in the distance coming. And as he heard the train coming in the distance, he looked over at the drawbridge and noticed that he did not put the drawbridge down. So there's hundreds of people coming in a train. And if he don't get that bridge down, those people are going to die. He runs, he tells his son, he says, son, I want you to stay right here. And he runs and he goes over and he begins to allow the bridge to be let down. His son slips and falls in the water and gets tangled up in the gears of the drawbridge. True story. Late 1800s. He gets trapped in some of the gears and the son begins to yell, Dad! Dad! And the dad has a decision to make. Because if he stops what he's doing to go rescue his son, then many people will die. But if he continues to do what he's doing, his son will die so that many people will live. And that father made a tough decision that day. And he continued to let that bridge down. And the story goes that all he could see is blood come up in the water. He had sacrificed his son as he let this bridge down so that this train could go across. And when this train was going across, no one on that train just knew what had happened. The story goes that as the train is passing, he can see the passengers through the windows laughing, drinking tea or coffee, having a good time, walking back and forth. And this father begins to yell at the train, Do you not understand what I just sacrificed for you? And he yells, and he yells, and he yells because he sacrificed his very own son so that they may live. That's the story of God Himself. Along with people who are ate up with hurt and anger in situations like this. And they're going through life and they're going through the motions when I believe that Jesus is screaming in the background saying, Do you not know that there is hope? Do you not know who I am? Do you not know what I've done for you? I believe Jesus can use situations like this to change our whole community.
I believe. Do you believe with me? I believe that God can do something special. I believe that there's one name that people need to know. And that name is Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're one of those people today. Maybe you're one of those people. And you say, here I am. I've allowed my emotions. I've allowed different things to come over me. I've allowed some of these things to happen in my life. I've allowed myself to just go through the motions in life. And I am not really realizing that there was this God who let down the bridge for me. He bridged the gap with His Son, Jesus, being sacrificed. And I'm not living for Him. Let me tell you something. There are going to be co-workers on Monday morning that need you. There are going to be people in this community that you bump into that need the hope that I'm talking about today. And if you don't have that hope on the inside of you, I want you, nobody's looking around, I want you to just slip your hand up real quick and say, Jamie, I don't have that hope of Jesus in me. Is there anybody in this room? You need God today. You need God to do something special in your life. You're tired of living this life all by yourself. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, yes, that's me. I need God. Yes, right up here. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, right there, right there. I need this hope by the name of Jesus. I want to pray this prayer with you. When you pray it, I want you to pray it like you mean it. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I confess my sins to you today. Thank you for becoming my Lord. And my Savior, use me from this day forward. I totally surrender my life over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big old hand clap. You can do better than that.